friends, welcome. Welcome to another episode of Unlearn and Relearn. Hello, hello, friends. With Megan and Wilson. Thank you guys so much for coming back and hanging out with us. So this week, we have a lot to get into. Um, A lot has been going on in the last week. A lot has been going on in the last 24 hours and even... Um, so much has been going on in the last, what, two hours. <laughs> so today is Tuesday, August 11th. You're probably hearing this a week from now. And those footsteps you're hearing is Emmy, beautiful dog that lives here. Um, yeah, it's her, it's her place. We just, we all just live here. <laughs> and so, um, our show follows a, a new format now. I'll just uh, quickly go over it real quick. We have our highlight of the week. Then we get into our main topic. We have a say their names portion where we say their names and tell the stories of the people affected by state-sanctioned police violence. Our activist highlight where we talk about people doing awesome things in our community. And then finally we round out with our call to actions, which is any actions, petitions, donations, protests, or anything that we see on our radar that you guys should participate in. So going back and getting started, jumping right in, we'll get into our highlight of the week. Megan, what is your highlight of this week? I think I know because today is the day that a certain vice presidential (laughs) candidate was picked. So yes, so Biden's choice for VP, Kamala Harris. Um, you know, I'm not going to get too deep into this. I'm still, I think both of us are still kind of processing this decision and this choice. Um, yeah. I'm not, I'm not super stoked about it. I'll just say that. Um, but we will, we will include some links for you guys to check out and encourage everyone to really look into, you know, just as we would with anyone, but definitely look into to her background and and what she stands for and um you know so when we talk about <laughs> defunding the police which is one of our main topics when we talk about um equity and uh, justice and equality within the criminal justice system um there couldn't have been a more I don't she's not who I would worse think of. Pick. Yeah, she's not it. So. There's not a person who could have been worse to pick. Maybe if you had picked like a Republican, but at least on the Democratic side, there couldn't have been anybody worse for the causes that we champion and are trying to push and educate people on in the space that we've created. So, so we won't get too far into that. We just, you know, we we might do it. We might do, do either a, a, an episode deeper dive or come back around to it or talk yeah. about it in a different context. We just want everyone. We want to process it a little bit more, and we encourage all of you to process it. A yes, little bit there's more, plenty of sure. articles out there for you to read. There's plenty of resources about people saying glowing and supportive things of uh, Senator Harris and. Uh, criticisms and critiques. Right. Read and it all. Read it all. Please read it all. Read it all. Read it all. That's read all it. we ask. Yeah. And, um, and second highlight, kind of, you know. A second highlight of the week, I this, think, but... is 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 just my highlight. I wanted to talk about the mail and how um, Trump put a lackey in charge of the postal service and how the mail has been. Uh, slowed down in certain ways and how we all need to be aware of it. I saw a post that said something along the lines, if every single American bought in a $111 book of stamps, it would solve all of the financial problems that the post office has. So just think about that, guys, when we when we talk about What's happening? We we know that we're going to have huge uh, participation in our election through the postal service. Right, and, and that's where yeah. that's where this comes in. If you're kind of like, okay, what are, what are you guys talking about? What does this have to do with anything? It, it ties into suppressing voting. 
Pretty much. Especially with the state of the world and, and where we're at. Um, a lot of states are pushing to do mail-in mail in voting, mail-in mm-hmm. ballots, so that we don't have to go and meet due to the global pandemic. Um, but if we're, if Trump is doing things at this state before we're all really paying attention to slow down the mail, um, once it comes time, and all those ballots kinda, are coming in, yeah, we're kind of what are what are what's going to shit out of luck, yeah. You know? And so this is something that we really need to be paying attention to now, and um, also know, now, also you know? know when your state. Uh, uh, mail-in ballots go out. I know for California, yeah. it is October 5th. And make sure that you your address is correct and you are registered in we'll whatever get, particular state that you're in. As we get closer to that time, we'll do... We're going to talk a lot yeah, about we'll it as we get closer. We'll do more information on that. But just today, I feel like if you're, if you're listening to this, just at the same time where you're listening to this, Google when your state's yeah. mail-in ballots go out. So at least you know the date. Kind of aware. Just kind of aware. Yeah, kind um, of aware. <laughs> so, so yeah, those are our, our two uh, just highlights and quick hits for things that we want to talk about. Definitely. Keep your eye on the Postal Service and do as much research as you can about Senator Harris, who's going to be um, Vice President Biden's choice for vice president. Um, as, we, uh, as we move into the main topic, um, definitely check back. We had an extra episode that was released uh, last Friday on uh, white fragility, white saviorism. Uh, so go ahead and, and, and take passing. a and yeah. white passing. So take a take a listen to that. Just kind of breaks it down a little bit. So that really leads us into today's topic. It's kind of like our deeper dive from that episode. Um, really, br- really it, focusing yeah. on bringing it more current. But yeah, yeah, really focusing on the controversy with uh, the wall of moms as it relates to white saviorism. Yeah. So I'll go ahead and let you kind of get Yeah, so this one, it took a, a, a lot of research and a lot of like parsing out different ideas or different information because information from this story just kind of came out really, really fast. And some of it was contradictory and some of it was like, was just like coming from all these different sources. So it was well, almost like they all started so quickly and this and snowballed all quickly and then it fell all quickly. <laughs> and we're just like before we're evil, even able to like figure out anything, figure out what was all this stuff to figure out. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. You definitely need to kind of really look into so, this and, and check out ver- like various sources, various sources. So we I, we have a couple of articles, but I just wanted to start off before we get into the articles. I want to kind of create a framework as in the context of like like Megan said white saviorism so we're talking about this overarching topic our overarching theme of white saviorism white fragility really this really tags in white this tags in if you were wrestling this would tag in white saviorism and white fragility they all they all blend in they all blend in on this particular topic we're focusing a little more like Mike Wilson said on uh, the white saviorism aspect when it comes to this organization that kind of sprung up um, okay in the last so the controversy is on the wall of moms which is which is a, a, a an entire thing that happened in Portland so if we go back to the beginning there are protests in the wake of George Floyd's death protests are happening in all parts of the country and in some parts of the world mm. one of the major places that protests were happening in addition to places like Los Angeles, Chicago, New York, also Portland. Portland, Oregon was one of the main places that protests were happening. Black Lives Matter protesters were happening in places like Portland. One of the main places they were protesting was at the state capitol against the monuments and things like that and for change and also for uh, change within the system. So we start off with the Black Lives Matter protesters that are out in the streets and they're protesting. We want everybody to have that in their mind first because that's where the story ultimately comes back to. Then enter in a loosely affiliated organization of mothers that steps in and creates a wall or a shield once federal troops. So then Trump calls in federal troops to break up the protests and then 
this organ these loosely affiliated group we won't call them an organization yet we'll just call them a loosely affiliated facebook group decides that they will lock arms and be a shield between federal troops and black lives matter protesters that are already out on the streets this shield starts to form itself into a group called wall of moms which is made up of black women, white women, and women of all races, but mostly just moms that are locking arms, they're wearing uh, uh, makeshift t-shirts that are maybe have you know paint scribbled on them or whatever, and they're in between this or these right. federal troops or federal agents and Black Lives Matter protesters. Right. And so Wall of Moms as an organization starts to, this uh, loosely affiliated group then starts to organize itself. And in the process of organizing itself is where a lot of the strange machinations and craziness starts to take place. Right. Under Beverly Barnum. Under a, under the leadership the uh ad hoc leadership of a woman named beverly barnum so wall of moms is now so as it's getting essentially as it's getting its 15 minutes of fame so now there's the next piece they they start so talk about the next piece the next piece is that the media comes in and gives all its attention to wall of uh, yeah wall of wall of moms so the media comes in and says Wall of Moms, you're the people who we're going like, to show on TV. Great. We're going to talk about you right now. And we're going to mention about how amazing you guys are <laughs> to come out and just be moms and like lock arms and, you know, put yourselves out there and whatever, whatever. All of this is great and fine, right? Now, the issue, the issues that you start to see, and this is something, I'm not going to go there. Okay. The issues that you start to see is during their 15 minutes of fame. So as they, as Wilson said, they started up as this uh, group that came out to protect the Black Lives Matter organization, the Black Lives Matter protesters that are coming out um, peacefully protesting, uh, and you know they're stand, they're out there protecting them from being hit or being bothered or harassed by officers, police officers, right? Now in you would think during their 15 minutes of fame that they would talk about Black Lives Matter, about the organization, about what they stand for, about the issues that they're trying to solve. Is that what they did? But they did not. They did not. They did not. <laughs> they did not. So they took all of that um, 15 minutes of fame, it seems, and really utilized that and redirected it towards themselves and um this saviorism complex of oh yeah look at us we're wonderful we're we're helping this group we're the we're the without us you know they would be nothing type mentality Mm -hmm. um and also then using that 15 minutes of fame to monetize Right? Mm. And so we're, we're going to come back to this, but so, so becoming an organization, right? And then, um, yeah. And then not at all the whole time coming back to Black Lives Matter, redirecting some of that 15 minutes of fame, some of that media attention towards them or any initiatives that, that the Black Lives Matter organization is having. Any actions, uh, any actions, any, any issues that they're that. bringing up. Why are they out there protesting? What is their list of, of issues and, and, and things that they want the government or the, uh, uh, the city of Portland or the state of Oregon to be responsive to? It was right. just this. It, 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 and, and this, this entire ordeal happens over the course of, what, two weeks maybe. Right. From from the wall of moms starting to the wall of moms organization as a as an organization becoming an organization and then quote unquote being wholly discredited from start to finish. So before we get to the discredited portion, yeah, so Beverly no. essentially decided that 
she wanted to register as a nonprofit. At some point, she does decide that she wants to register as a nonprofit. Yes. I think that what happens before that is that the Wall of Moms organization is starting to be accused. Or, or this is the crazy part is this is all happening at the same time. Right. So as they're as they're as they're uh, working to be registered as a nonprofit. So at the exact same time. As they're doing that, accusations start arising about how the Wall of Moms organization group is still a group, still a loosely affiliated Facebook group. It hasn't become an official organization yet is is are engaging in thing in in actions that are completely against what black lives matter on the ground portland protesters and another organization called don't shoot portland which was in direct conflict with the federal agents that were showing up shooting tear gas and rubber bullets at the protesters these groups are now starting to have friction because wall of moms is getting all this media attention but they're completely leaving Black Lives Matter protesters out in dangerous situations. They're not protecting certain marches. They're not showing up to be that wall that they said they were going to be. They're not helping like they said they were going to help. And all of a sudden, it's becoming clear to the protesters on the ground that this organization of mostly white women is not actually in, in this fight the way they portrayed themselves to be to the media. Not the allies that they're, they, yeah. They're and the crazy to. part about this, and I think I told you about this earlier, not to go off on a bit of a tangent, but like it, it happened so fast. Right. It happened so quickly that like it could have been more than a week from the time Wall of Moms started to them starting to like there's a there's there's a, a part of the article where it talks about um they it says here we began having safety concerns within the group because black women started saying they were not protected by wall of mom leadership too frequently they would be in communication for safety transport etc and when the time came there would be zero response and no leadership to rely on it's put many on the ground in direct danger. Mm. And then that's the next part. But um, so this is, so this, there's this friction that is brewing between the Black Lives Matter protesters, the Don't Shoot Portland protesters, and this Wall of Moms group that is quickly spiraling into an organization that no one really knows that it's it's spinning itself up like like a pottery like a clay pottery mm. and it's becoming an organization really 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 fast and no one knows what's going on yet they were saying we're supposed to be in coordination we're supposed to be helping you and it turns out that they were not doing any of that right. so yeah so that's where the so that's where the tension came in there was a lot of questions about okay well what exactly are you guys standing for? What, like, why is this, you know, why is it composed of primarily all white women? Mm -hmm. um, how does that factor into everything? That's where a lot of fragility came up, a lot of white guilt. And from that, it turned into saviorism. That's where it turns into saviorism. So, so we wanna, let's talk about that a little bit. So the... Um so you're we're talking about the so because uh, of that tension so because of that tension you had the wall of moms executive leadership or board of directors right in one fell swoop they all resign right and so and then they, leaving they, black women the positions leaving of leadership putting saying we're we're going to resign because, you know, we feel like this organization should be run by black women. And then, which I have a problem with, don't patronize me if you're a white woman doing anti-racism well, work. Let's get, let's explain it first yeah. and then get into why that's an Yeah, issue. and then, and then you say we're going to replace our entire leadership mm -hmm. uh, board, board of directors with black women right. because we want black women to be in charge here. And it was like, okay, that was kind of crazy. So the reason why that turns into saviorism, 
So this was supposed to be a group that was, you know, in relation to or um, a group that was in support of the Black Lives Matter organization. Mm-hmm. So it's not that it needs to be, you know, all black women, all white women, whatever. It's about we need to remember and stick to what our goal is of this organization. If you're making it even an organization, mm-hmm. the the goal still needs to be number one and top priority. So when you lose sight of that, that's when it's like, where are your, you know, some people might say, well, the, the intentions, you know, that's where it always comes in. Well, their intentions are this. Okay, well, let's take a look at that. So in stepping down, their intentions are to uplift, you could say, some people might say that their intentions are to uplift black women in this organization. But the reason why there was a lot of, um, I guess, kickback to that and and um, just a, pushback. Lot of, a pushback yeah. towards that is because those black women were not asking for those positions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They weren't saying, oh, this organization is all primarily white women and we want all of us to be in these positions. They were saying, you all started this organization for X, Y, and Z. You are doing A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. You are not doing what you started this organization out to do. And you're then using the Black Lives Matter momentum that we've been working hard to build up, the, that, that we are using our name to talk about X, Y, and Z, these, these issues. issues. And you're talking about A, B, and C. We don't care about A, B, and mm-hmm. C. We don't want to talk about A, B, and C. That's not what we stand for. We stand for X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. This Ending is what police we're violence. About. Ending these things. Defunding the police. Talking about these issues. Holding police a- a- accountable. And you then know. also part of that is you started your organization to support the protesters that were out there protesting to ensure that they would not be harassed to ensure that they had you know medical kits out there that they Mm -hmm. had water what uh, what transport transport transportation that's why this organization quote unquote was started so it then goes back again to okay, so what are you guys doing? If you're not doing that, what are you doing then? And then for them to just be like, oh, okay, well, we'll give you all the positions. It's like, (laughs) but we weren't asking Asking you for the positions. We were asking you what's going on. We want accountability. We want communication. Like them even starting the organization, were they in, like, if they're truly a group that's for Black Lives Matter and in support and is working in and is affiliated with them, then you would think that in starting them, or in starting to become a nonprofit, that they would have communication with the leaders in their in their community that are associated with Black Lives Matter or other organizations that are affiliated with Black Lives Matter to work with them to figure out how they would be a nonprofit. Being a nonprofit is you can't just be like, I'm a nonprofit. What does that mean? Yeah. So what are you doing exactly? If you're taking in money, where does that money go? Where's the accountability? What does that for? look yep. like? Yes, where's the accountability? So was there any communication in that sense? So it's like, yes, on the out like outwardly at when you first look at it, this Wall of Moms organization seems so wonderful. That's amazing. That's really cool that all these moms went out to like support all the protesters and they're like literally being human shields. Like that's badass, and that's really that's cool. Badass. You know what I mean? Because like, that's, some of the things, because the mayor, amazing. the mayor was out there. They were taking um, tear gas to the face. They were taking rubber bullets to the face. Right. And from everything I heard, rubber. I know how tear gas feels because I was in the military. We, we actually literally had to be gassed, so we had to stand in it and sit in it and feel it and be able to get our wits back about us. I still don't like it. <laughs> So it's not something that I, I, you know, if somebody shot tear gas at me, I run the other direction. I'm not going to be like, let me depend on my training. No, get the hell out of there because tear gas is a suffocating. It's an oxygen pulling uh, thing. It takes the oxygen away, which makes it hard for you to breathe, which makes it easy for you to freak out. And then rubber bullets from everything I heard and from all of the injuries I've seen people sustain, rubber bullets do not feel good. They hurt. 
So if you have an organization of moms of I'm I saw in some of the pictures these women were, you know, 40s, you know, mid a middle age, 30s, 40s, 50s, you know, women taking rubber bullets and and tear right. gas. That is that's that's what we what 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 some black organizations are like, yes, we have strong white allies that are out there in the fight. Yes, they're there for they're us. Using their they're like, using their so bodies. They're using their bodies. What is what right. is Kendrick Kendrick Sampson say at the a lot of the BLM mm-hmm. we, uh, rallies that we go to here in Los Angeles? Mm-hmm. Um, he says we need people to be using their bodies now, not just your voice, but we need accomplices, not allies, right. in this struggle. And it looked though that this is what this organization was doing. They were right. using their bodies to actually be a part of this this fight but then the second they get the 15 minutes of fame oh we're not really associated so you want to get to you want to get to that part now you want to move on to to that part because that is it all i mean it all kind of ties back because it's all happening at the same time right it's like it's all (laughs) so it turned into saviorism based off of I think, honestly, if you ask me, I think it was saviorism from the beginning. But absolutely. I think it was saviorism But if from we're the just, like, breaking it beginning. down, just that one action. Yeah. We're breaking that one action down. It went from fragility to guilt to saviorism, just yeah. in that in that one action of them. So then it goes back to we're, what were really the intentions from the beginning. From right? the beginning. Um, so, so they're not solely created for Black Lives Matter. So that's when... Um, I'll, I'll let you take over. So now, and, and no, notice that this timeline is not linear. Because a lot of this is all happening at the exact same time. So it's not this happened, then this happened, then this happened. Right. It was like this happened, and later on that day, this other thing, right. <laughs> this other thing happened. So, um, so according to this article in The Insider, it says, Don't shoot Portland also said Barnum, uh, Beverly Barnum, who was one of, who was the, founder of Wall of Moms went behind its back to register the Wall of Moms as a nonprofit, which is said was evidence that the group was not started for BLM, but to get the feds out of Portland. This was all done in privacy and without the knowledge of the black leadership Wall of Moms was claiming to implement. The lies are finally clear and we are sad, but ultimately not surprised Notice that phrase, not surprised. That anti-blackness showed its ugly face with Wall of Moms. So, you had alluded to this, and I wanted you to make this point a little bit more clearly since we got to this part. They registered themselves as a nonprofit. And you had said this in one of our earlier, one of our prep conversations, that it wasn't necessarily a bad thing that they registered as a nonprofit. Right. So let's take, I always say, like, take our prejudices away. Let's Mm -hmm. strip it all down. So it's not inherently a bad thing that a group wants to register themselves as a nonprofit in order to help out Black Lives Matter, correct? Yes. It's not, that's not an inherently bad thing. Um, and that's where, again, it comes back into like the intention. So what is, you know, we talked about this earlier. What are, what are the intentions of the group? Why did you, why did you get started? And what are your missions? What are, what is your mission statement? What are your goals? Um, you know, what associations do you want to have, like, within mm-hmm. the organization? How, where's the accountability? What does that look like? Like, these are very important questions mm-hmm. when it comes to um, creating these, these nonprofits, especially with, I don't want to especially, I don't want to say especially, but definitely with, you know, the situation when it comes to, like, social justice or or any like major causes like that and you're and you're starting an organization in support of another large major organization Mm -hmm. there has to be communication there so it's just like where it comes into why it's it's not great that they were going to do that or why people had questioned 
because I guess it comes down to okay well why is it a bad thing or people have said you know some of the arguments that that Wilson and I have seen on the opposite end is you know like why is it such a bad thing that they wanted to be a nonprofit in support of this yada 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 well the the reason why it turns into okay this is not really a good thing is because again you you started your organization with mm-hmm. the goals and intentions of one thing you used the fame or the uh the heightened exposure of black lives matter and that organization and and the causes that they stand for you use that to catapult yourself up mm-hmm. but then when you were up you did not then go back to why you were originally started you did not go back to those goals and then all of that so it's so, like yeah you know yeah what <laughs> yeah like i don't know how else to explain that no it's no like it's if you're it's, starting an organization and support within a, another organization at the very least there needs to be communication you need to, yeah you need to actually support the other organization yeah, right so so here's what one of the um a wall of moms told a follower that its founder went rogue and also tweeted wall of moms started with a social contract defer to black voices shield black bodies the people who joined this movement of mothers did so under that understanding the founder founder bev barnum decided to break that social contract so that is and 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 that is where I sort of have a, a an issue with it because now we're starting to be made to believe that it was one person. I don't believe it was one person. Right. And I don't believe this this, this Beverly like, who bu- started the organization. Yeah. yeah, it might be it might have been her, but she didn't just start it on her own. No. And I and I don't believe that it was just this one individual who decided to like do this. I don't believe that. But we don't have any we don't have any um, any evidence that there was anybody else because that's the only person that has been coming out of this. Real quick, I want to read one, one other little piece from this. It says, the announcement of the 501c3, which we talked about, tangent, not, not easy to get your organization registered as a way, 501c3, <laughs> by the way, also takes time. How in the hell did she get an organization, a loosely affiliated uh, uh, Facebook group that she got a board of directors, an executive committee, a this and a that, all of this information in and got it registered as a 501c3 in a week. It takes longer than that to get a 501c3. So that's just another thing I would encourage people to understand. She says, uh, the announcement of the 501c3 really hurt some of you, she wrote. That was never my intention. In fact, it was just the opposite. Wall of Moms will be led by a BIPOC board and BIPOC advisor committee. Wall of Moms is a group that supports BLM, not a BLM group. If that is not good enough for you, please, please feel free to leave the group. And if you currently volunteer your time, please feel free to leave your position. So what it looks like is that some people saw the Black Lives Matter protest happening. And as they moved in the position to quote unquote help, their greed. It's an opportunity to monitor. Opportunism got the best of them. And their ability to say, we're saving. Mm-hmm. And if we can save these people, oh, we can save everybody. And thus the white saviorism is born <laughs> shows its shows its ugly face ugly face and yeah. so you know i think it's in this article that i was just reading it's from the new york post um so the new, so in light of the fallout they took the facebook group privileges or control away from this beverly barnum person They took access to the Twitter and all social media parts away from her. And they 
has said that Wall of Moms is no longer affiliated with her, but if she registered as a 501c3, she still controls the name Wall of Moms. The name Wall of Moms is belongs underneath her name right. and is registered. So I don't know what is going on. I haven't had any more information or insight into the what's happening as far as how the Wall of Moms is going to move forward as an organization right. now that they supposedly, quote unquote, like you said, cut her out of the social media. Like, what? What does that do? What yeah, does that when do? When you said that to me, I was like, okay, and? So she can't <laughs> sign into Facebook. So what? Yeah. That means nothing when it comes to business. Yeah. If she has the, like you said, if she has the 501c3 uh, under her name, then... What does being locked out of Facebook mean? You can just that start means a nothing. New one. Yeah. You can start a new Facebook. Who yeah. gives a shit? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. The other people that are in control of the Facebook, do they have control of the actual business yeah. of of the the finance and the accountability yeah. of as far as like of the resources, of all money of coming that. in? Yeah. Because when you start a five hundred one c three, you need to have a separate bank account because any right. donations and money coming in. Now you're talking about the law. Did, I, I haven't even really looked into whether they were like really receiving donations at the time. I don't think it got to that point. I don't but, know if it did, um, but I'm telling you, if you, you know. start a 501c3, you need to have that connected to an account that receives right. money because now you're able to receive donations. Right. And if you're able to receive donations in the form of cash, right. you have to start being accountable for where when that money comes in and what it is spent on. Right. So... You're talking about now. You're opening yourself up to legal ramifications if this money right. is not. And they have. There's no. They haven't explained that. Yeah, that's what we're still waiting on so, the information. And you know. And, you know um, but so, in 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 the fallout of all of this, you know, going back to and then there's a lot of talk of like how we're not talking about Black Lives Matter anymore. <laughs> now we're talking about wall of moms and this Beverly Barnum person and the issues that Black Lives Matter was talking about this whole time. Right. We're not talking about them. We're not talking about police killing unarmed black people. We're not talking about harassment by the state. We're not talking about the issues that people are facing in the community. We're not talking about unemployment. We're not talking about COVID relief. We're not talking about a whole lot of things we're not talking about. Right. Because this organization over here decided to do some shenanigans and all of the attention got diverted over here. And that was one of the things that the Black Lives Matter protesters that were a part of the, this article were bringing up, this insider article were bringing up was that now we're not talking about um, the issues that that this group was, was talking about. We're not, Teresa, Teresa Rafe, Rayford, the executive director of Don't Shoot Portland. I want to make sure I say her name because this is the black woman, one of the black women that was in the forefront of exposing what Wall of Moms was doing. Teresa Rayford, R-A-I-F-O-R-D. Please go look her up on Instagram, Twitter, follow her. I want to make sure that even when we're having this conversation, we bring it all the way back to what we started out with, which was the Black Lives Matter protesters, the issues that they were talking about. And for in this conversation, we're just going to continue from this point on to talk about the Black Lives Matter protesters and what they have been doing since the fallout mm -hmm. of the entire Wall of Moms fiasco and episode. So you wrote something in the notes about what happened next. So... Essentially, they, uh, with the help of Don't Shoot Portland, they transitioned it. So they transitioned Wall of Moms into Moms United for Black Lives, um, where I believe that's primarily led by Don't Shoot Portland. Yes. Um, and it has former, it's, it's, it's crazy to say former, because they've only been around <laughs> right. for like less than a month. <laughs> but former affiliated Wall of Moms volunteers have moved over. This is mostly black and white people and, you know, non-black non indigenous people of color have moved over into this now group called Moms United for Black Lives. They have a Facebook group. Their Facebook group has it as a minimum. Last time I checked, about 11,000 followers. It is Portland-based. And right. this is the group that is supposedly supposed to be the affiliated group 
to the Black Lives Matter organization true, moving forward. True accomplices. True accomplices. Yeah. But this organization had to be started by black women <laughs> in order for it to be what the other organization was, was hoping to be. Right. So we are going through all of this and in, in, in going through this entire story to not only talk about the complexity and I really wanted to talk about this point is that under normal circumstances, I'm going to, I'm going to paint a very sad picture now under normal circumstances without the sunlight and the social media savviness of people like the don't shoot Portland, Teresa Rayford type wall of moms would have gotten started as an organization. It would have become a 501c3. Yeah. The voices of the black women complaining about don't sh about Wall of Moms would have been silenced. It would have gained national and international notoriety. It would have been seeded by millions of dollars by rich people, people all over the country and all over the world. And that Beverly Barnum lady would have took off into the stratosphere, and she would have never looked back at the organization that she quote unquote was supposedly start supposed to be helping. And I just want people to know that under nor this is a very abnormal story because the black women that were the ones that were being affected spoke up, they spoke up intelligently, they spoke up forcefully and they had an entire they had an entire infrastructure of black people to go post, 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 now, 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 like get it out there, get it out there, let's start it, start it. And so I found out about it literally the day it happened because I have a friend who lives in Portland and she put it on her thing. I reposted this under normal. If this had happened 10 or 15 years ago and there was no Instagram and no ability to mass tell a story quickly, Wall of Moms would have exploded and it would have left Black Lives Matter and it would have been gone. And it would have been this global nonprofit taking in millions of dollars a year, led and ran by all white people getting rich, getting paid salaries of hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars a year to go around the world and do the whole performative. One of our first podcasts was about performative allyship. They would have been the most performative uh, nonprofit that we had seen in the last 15 years had it not been for the quick uh, uh, work of these organizations that had that had the technology savvy to get the story out and to get it out quickly. So, yeah, I think that that's interesting to know how quickly this could have spun up. Right. Yeah. It really does all tie in into into together, like you said. Yeah. So, like all of these, the the fragility, the saviorism, that ties back into. Um, do you think it was ally? Do you think it was performative? I don't think it was performative in the beginning, but I think no, that like quickly. You said, I think it just um, in it's it's using the saviorism, uh, that saviorism complex in order to monetize. Um, it with the illusion of being allies it doesn't it, I mean it just it makes it performative but it's not like they wouldn't I, I don't I wouldn't say that that it was like maybe they went into I mean I don't know their full intentions but from what we've read from the research that we've done I would just say like yeah it just is you know mm -hmm. I think it, it definitely ties back into um just the monetization, yeah. like you said. Sadly. Yeah, so that is, in effect, the story of the Black Lives Matter protesting in, in Portland and the Wall of Moms connection. Um, there's articles on insider.com, jezebel.com, that I highly suggest you in a New York Post and a whole bunch of articles um, one of the quotes is, our pain is not an asset, um, that people have been, you know, other things that people have been saying. 
I think that uh, I think that people, you know, do do some research on it, look more into it. Well, when we here. talk about white saviorism and we talk about like white fragility and and it's you have to. This is one of the reasons why we say we we talk about unlearning and relearning because knowing knowing the signs of saviorism is important so you see it not this is why we when a documentary is made examples. not when a documentary is made 10 years from now but in the moment well this is also yeah. why we use the two different examples for you to for you to really think about like all the different ways like wilson's saying like all the different ways that it's showing up all the different ways so that you, you're able to really pinpoint and point out when it's happening so in in the episode that was released on friday we talked about renee bach and that is a jeez yeah. oh louise God. it's an insane in a and like it's a case on a very large scale mm -hmm. this is a smaller scale mm -hmm. right so it's like this is this is a good range of stories it's kind of why we chose the two different stories to show you that yes it could be something as extreme as renee bach where it's like at least to us pretty obvious yeah and, somebody's um, playing a nurse right and hurting and and, and really hurting right. and causing harm right and, and then physical and then you have harm. wall of moms yeah. where it's like yeah it might not be as obvious like we said on the outside this looks like an amazing organization but really understanding these concepts and being able to then recognize them when you see them, whether it's on that smaller scale, the microaggressions, or very obvious and in your face, mm -hmm. right? So. Yeah, so that's, um, man, what a great topic. I'm glad we, we were able to sort of get into that and break it down, um, do more research. It's important to know when these things creep up, when you can see them, you can see them not only on a big scale, like in a wall of mom scenario, but if you know the signs, you can see them in your local world, in your life, in your everyday life. You can see when it seems like someone's kind of trying to be a hero and trying to be a savior. And is it for an altruistic reason or is it just for clout? Because sometimes it could just be for, for clout and credibility. I mean, what this story told is that this was ultimately so that these people could make money right you know it seemed as if beverly barnum and the people who were doing this whole nonprofit thing were had their eyes on dollars they had their eyes on dollars so right yeah moving on we're going to move on into our next section and our next section is uh say their names and this is the section where we say the names and tell the stories of people affected by state sanctioned violence um I want to talk, we have a couple of stories that we want to get to in this section, but I wanted to um, go over one of the stories that I see a lot at our Black Lives Matter rallies that we go to in downtown Los Angeles, yeah. and it is the story of John Horton and his mother's 10-year fight for justice and accountability. So his story... She's there every week. Every she's there Wednesday. every week. Every Wednesday at 3 p.m., there's amazing... And probably, every, and probably many other protests that we don't That go we to. don't go to, yes. And she has been advocating and telling the story of John Horton, her son, for, uh, for 10 years. Mm -hmm. And how he was, he, was, he was beat to death. There's no other way to say it. Mm -hmm. This man, this young man she, was... She says... She said flashlight therapy. Yes, they used a flashlight on him. They broke his pancreas. They mm -hmm. injured his uh, collarbone. Cracked they cracked his skull. They cracked mm -hmm. his eye, his eye socket. Mm -hmm. They put a dent in his, in his head with a flashlight that left a mark of the flashlight. And after they beat this, this young man half to death, they then staged his death as a suicide. And the cause of death by the coroner was changed from suicide to undetermined, which means that they can't... And they didn't even write down all of his um, injuries. All of his injuries, mm -hmm. yeah. And this ties into the story that we had, we did, 
I believe it was last week where we talked about gangs within police mm -hmm. because uh, the mother of John Horton maintains that the gang, there was a gang of police officers, of sheriff deputies that did this. They're called the 3000 boys because they work in the 3000 block section of men's central jail here in Los Angeles, California. So this gang is accused of killing this young, this young man. And this woman has been telling his story, saying his name, John Horton, for 10 years. And it's about time that if you do not know who John Horton is, about time you know who he is, his story, and how, and how and why these people are out here. And what is the, the, the thing that gets them out there? And it is justice. It is accountability. Jackie Lacey reviewed the case. She reviewed the facts of the case. Right. She noticed, she read the autopsy report, the injury list report of all his injuries. And she determined that no charges should be filed, no investigation should be done mm -hmm. of those police officers right. and those sheriff, those sheriff deputies that did that to him. Mm -hmm. And that is the reason why people say that Jackie Lacey must go. Mm -hmm. Because when you read this list, it's impossible to not say, hey, something happened here that we need to take a look at. <clears throat> but Jackie Lacey didn't prosecute those cops. And that was 10 years ago. Right. So we need to keep saying their names. We need to keep up the pressure. We need to keep reposting and retweeting and talking and sharing the stories mm -hmm. and not giving up right. until, until we get some justice. So, yeah. yeah. Another one um, that we wanted to, to kind of talk about was a video that recently came out, um, Shaheen Mackey. So... He was um, in, it's in, it was in Pennsylvania. Yes. He was sick and had a seizure. And so he, he was in a correctional facility, sick and had a seizure. He called for help. They shackled him, hands mm. behind his back, shackled his legs, um, put a mask on his face, like, really covering his face mm -hmm. um of course after having a seizure that's smart to do is to cover someone's mouth and and nose in air passageways um and then proceeded to have multiple people on top of him essentially just tackled him therefore suffocating him and he ended up passing away and he was tased oh i'm sorry before all of that, he was tased. Now, mind you, they shackled him from the beginning. He has his hands behind his back. He's in handcuffs. He's shackled. From the feet and the He's hands. He's shackled on his hand, or his legs. Why do they need to tase him again? He was having a seizure. Because he was, he was being, having a seizure? He was being what they said. Um, now, I'm just saying what they said. Right. Um, he was being, he had epilepsy prone to convulsions. Mm. He was tased multiple times during his seizure. Like what? This happened fuck? in 2018. Yeah. Tased. Oh my life. He had bruises all over his body, which made his, his cousin think that the guards were hiding something. His cause of death was attributed to natural causes. Interesting. Now, the crazy part is that the family of Mackey, they sued the county. I think it's called Luzerne, Luzerne County. Mm -hmm. And they got $3 million settlement. So they did something they weren't supposed to do or else they wouldn't have gave them that money. But there's been no accountability right. for the officers on the ground, the ones who actually did the right. the uh, restraining, right. the officers who did the tasing, their right. superiors, right. or their superiors. Right. There's been no accountability for any of those people. It's crazy. They, and, then, and they took some steps implementing more thorough medical screening 
increased training for our corrections officers mm. and around detecting and responding to medical ep episodes and enhanced reporting protocols. Of course, just the go-to's. Just more training, yeah. More Go-to is more training. excuses because, like, do we have... Uh, we, we won't get into it. Anyways. <laughs> well, get into it. What do you think? I mean, what do you think? I mean, what, what say it. Well, we've, we've already talked about it in the last two episodes for Defund the Police. We, mm -hmm. We've already discussed this, y'all. There's no point in adding more training. That is not what we want. That does not solve anything. That does not um, actually <laughs> solve the core issue that we have at hand. Um, we just got to give them more money. Just, yeah. Yeah. Let's just If give we them give them money. more money... Right. And They'll more, and more responsibility and all, <laughs> more power, totally. If we um, reimagine, right? <laughs> it's just it's sick. It's, it's just crazy. yeah. It's yeah. so. But moving, moving yeah. To our so last one, we want to say their know, names: John and Horton, finally, and we want to say their names: Shaheen Mackey. And, and so, finally, of course, it's been a hundred and fifty days plus days. Now. Plus days since uh, Breonna Taylor was murdered and her killers are still free. <sighs> so keep talking about it. Uh, there's phone numbers, there's emails, there's action steps. There was a White House petition that literally was signed all the way up until the point to where they couldn't accept any more signatures. So the White House must officially respond to that now. So now we're waiting for what Trump has to officially say from a White House perspective on what happened. Right. We'll await that. And we will not stop until something, until movement is made on those three officers. And uh, what? And we're going to keep telling her story. Right. And uh, yeah, keep pressing anybody f that you know that's famous yeah, and say her name, to say Brianna her name, Taylor. Brianna Taylor. Say her name, Brianna Taylor. Brianna Taylor. Say his name, John Horton. John Horton. And say his name, Shaheen Mackey. Shaheen Mackey. And so, moving on, and obviously, yes, before we move on, we want to say all of their names. We still haven't forgotten about George Floyd. We still haven't forgotten about have Elijah McClain. We still haven't forgotten. Send the names in. Please send us stories. Keep, yeah about people who have been affected by state-sanctioned violence, unarmed, people of color. We know that there's an entire community of indigenous people who are affected. We know that there's entire communities of Latino uh, and, and mm -hmm. Hispanic brothers and sisters that are affected. We wanna say all their names, we wanna keep their names and their stories alive. So please, if you guys have stories you wanna send us, and you know about underreported, under, you know, because that's what happened with the Vanessa Guillen story mm -hmm. is that people, literally the family kept saying her name mm -hmm. until the Black Lives Matter movement picked it up. And then finally, the FBI did something about it. Right. So we have there's to There's a keep, reason we say their names. There's a reason we say their names. and There's a reason we spread their stories. Absolutely. So moving on, we're going to move into our activist highlight part. Yeah. And this is where we take things up a notch. I wanted to talk about a good friend of mine's who's doing some amazing work in the community. And by community, I mean South Los Angeles, Los Angeles, Koreatown, Chinatown, and just pretty much all over LA. Her name is Bronche Faustin, B-R-A-N-C-H-E-F-O-S-T-O-N. And the uh, collective that she runs is called The Honey Block. And it is just an awesome little organization of people doing amazing work and so i just wanted to see if i can yeah i just wanted to talk about her and i just wanted to talk about the work that she was doing it's the honeyblock.com the honeyblock.com all one word it says the honey block is a digital wellness bodega for millennial creatives and entrepreneurs of color a sweet reflection of the street dimension the Honey Block is comprised of three main elements, classes, content, and community. Classes are online and in real life, obviously once we get back to out of this quarantine. Content, the videos and articles to support you on your wellness journey. And then the most important part for me that I love that she's done is she's created this community. And this community is 
South LA based, but it expands out into all other communities of people doing wellness work within the Los Angeles community. She says that the Honey Block Wellness is restorative justice, meaning millennials of color are provided with access to techniques, tips, and guides to promote healing from the inside and out. Branche is a certified yoga instructor, Reiki practitioner, and herbal medicine maker. She's also on Instagram at Branche Faustin, all one word. And I just wanted to, because the reason why I wanted to highlight her is because I just wanted to promote the idea that if there are people out there within your community that are doing this wellness work and they are creating these collectives and coalescing people that are in their certain little block on their block on their little street in their little part and she's creating a collective where they can share resources share share information share audiences and and build community not just in like one part of the city but in the entire city these are the types of people that we want to talk about and these are the types of stories that we want to tell we want these people to be promoted we want these people to be to have bigger audiences and to grow because they're doing important work of spreading this wellness and spreading the techniques of yoga and and meditation and collective healing out there in the community and i just want to highlight her she's four foot eleven she's a short girl but she's full of like seven foot energy and she's just an amazing human and uh yeah i want you guys to go check her out follow her on instagram send her a message and let her know that you heard it on the unlearn and relearn podcast and uh yeah, that's my highlight of the week. That's my activists doing work in the community of the week. And uh, yeah, check her out. Definitely. I love it. Um, the second one that we have is uh, Melina Abdullah, Doc Melly Mel. Mm. So she, on her Instagram, professor, womanist, Pan Africanist, Black Lives Matter organizer, mama, daughter of God beautiful so she's she's amazing she's out there just in the street consistently yes consistent af y'all like just all of it she was out there you know mayor garcetti waking him up oh, yeah. she's out there <laughs> at the protests you know every wednesday not just on wednesday she's out there pretty much every day every day, day. Um, there's doing actions. different things if yeah. they're not out there they're having conferences on on Facebook, on Zoom, in 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 person, meeting with um, state organizers. She is amazing. Um, yes, um, they had an action very very recently. They had an action tomorrow. Tomorrow's Wednesday, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have an action. They're going to be in front of the Cal State administration administration building. So that was what I wanted to get into next. She um, is, a lot of people are are standing behind her, Abdullah Ferdin. Of the Ethnic Studies Department at At, Cal State LA. Right. So tomorrow they're having, um, looks like at 10 a.m. PST, they're having a press conference um, held by faculty, students, clergy, alumni, and community members to demand authenticity from Cal State administration. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's definitely something that you can do in support of her. And then of course, just checking out her page. She also, they also have um, in the link in her bio, it's a page going back to Black Lives Matter LA um, for uh, Black Los Angeles demands in light of COVID-19 and rates of black death. community leaders stand united. So they have a whole list of demands that they have going on. Um, something, you know, an action step that you guys can check out, uh, see all the organizations that kind of stand um, stand with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so check those out as well. But, you know, if you're not following her, if you're not, uh, if you're not even familiar with who she is, please get familiar, check <laughs> her out. She's truly an inspiration. Um, and not only that, her daughter is like 
what, 16? Yeah. Um, she just was posted on, and I'm not even going to get too far into this because I'm probably going to have her on one of our next <laughs> activist highlights because yeah. she's amazing. But um, she was just uh, on Teen Vogue, on the cover of Teen Vogue with a few other uh, women um, for being, you know, uh, uh, suffragettes. Yes. Young, young women activists. So, um, you know, not only is she an inspiration, her 16 year old daughter is just like amazing. So definitely somebody to follow if you're looking for where to start, what action steps, what do I do? I mean, her page is full of them. Take a pick. Um, so yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely someone to, to keep an eye out for. Real quick from the BLMA, BLMLA org, uh, website, going back to what you said, um, the dis it says the disproportionate and deadly impact of COVID-19 on the black community magnifies what we have known that underlying conditions re result from an enduring system of racial apartheid and oppression interlocking economic political and social injustices collide with long-standing long-standing patterns of medical racism to make COVID-19 a black issue that demands a response specific to the needs of the black community so get involved there's work to be done if even if it's just an advocacy work these are one of the, the parts of the demands and they have 50 plus organizations that are supporting them. ADOS Los Angeles, Unite the Nation, Crenshaw Dairy Mart, a couple of that I see here that I recognize, Brotherhood Crusade, um, Black Workers Center. I mean, there's so many different organizations that are supporting them. Right. Please get build power. That's uh, that's uh, Kendrick Sampson's organization. Mm. This is we're talking Los Angeles specific, but if you live anywhere else in the world, if there aren't organizations that are focused on Black Lives Matter and restorative justice and economic justice and racial and environmental justice, if there's no organization around you, start one because there probably is. But there probably is. Find it. Yeah. If there isn't. Start one. Start a Facebook group. Start a Instagram. Start a group. Yeah, this kind of leads into our, our last segment, Call to Action. So, yes. Yes, it does. It leads right into our into call to action. Looking into all actions. of that. Checking out protests if you're not one to protest. Looking up petitions to sign. Calling your state officials. As, you know, from our highlights today, we were talking about, hello, friends. We're getting into, you know, the elections coming up. So, starting to really do your research into finding out when that is mm -hmm. <laughs> so that you that you can make sure you're on top of those dates um and then just being informed generally absolutely just being generally informed because politics is local and everything you do is a political decision so don't think that it doesn't affect you because if it if you if you're not participating in politics in your own favor somebody else is and they're participating in it against you so um yeah, yeah. So this, this is, uh, so yeah, if you're not one to protest, find a, a, an organization that you can support either with petitions yes. or with donations or with reposting their stuff on, on social media. Absolutely. And, um, yeah, thanks so much, that's, friends. that's going to be our show for this week. Yes. We want to thank you guys so much for checking us out as we kind of go through our new organization of our show structure. And um, we'll check in with you guys next week. Please take care of yourself. And uh, always, thanks for hanging, hanging with, with us, us as we unlearn, unlearn the bullshit <laughs> and relearn the good, the good stuff. stuff. All right, guys, we'll see you next week. <laughs>